Welcome to this edition of the General Manager Podcast. My name is Aaron Thomas, a.k.a. Native Seahawk. And thank God there are no pictures in the scorecard. (laughs) Your Seattle Seahawks are now five wins, one loss, as they win three games on the road so far this young season against the Cleveland Browns, who fall to two and four and are 0-3 at home already. Holy smokes. And Seattle, uh, again, thank goodness there is no pictures. When we take a look at the scorecard, we look at some of the the key performance indicators of this game. And if you're a general manager looking at this team, this 5-1 and team, and you're saying, what ways can the Seahawks improve? What are some of the things that they can improve on? And they really, again, I guess the big thing that they can improve on, of course, is how they begin a game. How many of you were watching and saying, oh, God, here we go again? You know, the very first play of the game, there's a, a kick return that almost goes the distance, and the guy even stumbled along the way. The kick returner stumbled along the way, and he still almost made it all the way to the end zone. And so you're thinking, oh, gosh, special teams isn't doing so well. All of a sudden, just like that, in the first quarter, the Seahawks are down seven to nothing, and so you know again. And then you take okay, well, you got Russell Wilson; he's a top five quarterback, top three quarterback. You got that running game; maybe they can come back and and get us a, a score, and they did. But then, of course, Myers gets out there, and the wind some miraculously takes his extra point, and it goes wide right. And so it's seven to six right off the bat. And, and so you're going, Oh gosh, why can't we just, you know, start a game uh, like 90% of the other teams do that are especially the winning teams and just, you know, methodically beat this Browns team who by all intents and purposes should have lost the game by two or three touchdowns. You know, they got punked last Sunday or last Monday, six days ago in San Francisco. And they're home now, and of course they're playing without their defensive backs. Their starting DBs are down with hamstring pulls. So you're wondering, okay, well Seattle should win this by ten points at least. Uh, but they did; they got the victory. We're all we can all laugh about it now. Uh, the Seahawks win by four, 32-28. And let's take a look at some of the statistics. Uh, the Seahawks had 29 first downs compared to 21 for the Browns. 17 of those 29 first downs were passing first downs uh, for the Seahawks, and rushing first downs were about eight. Uh, total plays, 74-61. to 61. Seattle uh, had more plays than the Browns did. Total yards, 454 yards for Seattle, and they gave up 406 to the Browns. There were 12 total drives apiece for both teams. Uh, Seattle had 6.1 yards per play, and the Browns had 6.7. Seattle, Russell Wilson had 284 uh, passing yards. He he almost had 300 total yards because he did get some rushing yards as well. Uh, his uh, and Baker Mayfield had uh, about 40 yards less at 249 yards on the day. Seattle rushing 170 yards on the ground total. They gave up 157 yards to Nick Chubb and that offense. And uh, you know Baker Mayfield himself had uh, a pretty good rushing day. Um, and so he continued down the statistics in the red zone, which is a big big uh, part of what makes Seattle go and what's probably the biggest Achilles heel for the Browns. 
the red zone, the, the Seattle had seven attempts in the red zone. They made four of them. Uh, the red and uh, the Browns had five attempts in the red zone and converted three into points. So they were three for five. Seattle was four for seven in the red zone. Penalties. Seattle had double-digit penalties, which uh, had been the Achilles heel of this team uh, the last few years. So far this year, though, they've been pretty good at at keeping those penalties down. Unfortunately, they did have 10 today for 65 yards, and the Browns had 9 for 83 yards in penalty and penalties. And so turnovers was probably the biggest key performance indicator in this game. Seattle turned the, uh, the ball over only once. It was a fumble lost. And uh, the Browns, they had four turnovers in the game. Seattle's defense intercepted Baker Mayfield three times today and did recover a fumble as well. And so Again, uh, time of possession, I, I was saying before the game, I thought that would be a key performance indicator in terms of keeping that Browns offense on the sideline as Seattle did have 33 minutes and 41 seconds of possession compared to only 26 minutes for Cleveland. And so uh, sacks were a big part of this game as well. Seattle did not get any sacks on Baker Mayfield. And again, that has been one of the, I guess, not really the Achilles heel, but I guess the frustrating part, if you're a Seahawks fan, is, you know, you, they spent all that money in getting in some upgrades on the defensive line and to not yield another, or not give get another sack again, which I think has to be the second or third time this season that not even one sack happened uh, for Seattle is, is frustrating. Uh, conversely, Russell Wilson was sacked three times in the game. And so, you know, you take a look at some of the individual statistics. Uh, Russell Wilson, at start from the top, 23 of 33, 295 total yards and two touchdowns. Baker Mayfield, 22 of 37, uh, 249 yards, one touchdown and three interceptions. His lone touchdown was his rushing touchdown that he did pretty much right after Russell ran in for a touchdown himself. In rushing, Chris Carson, 24 carries, 124 yards, one touchdown. Nick Chubb had 20 carries for 122 yards and two touchdowns. And your receivers, Tyler Lockett was uh, had five receptions for 75 yards. And uh, Odell Beckham Jr., six receptions, and he did have over 100 yards in this game. And so uh, some other next-generation statistics to talk about, let's talk a little bit about some of Seattle's other receivers. DK Metcalf did really well. He gets a game ball, 69 yards, 17 yards per average. He had a 30-yard uh, uh, completion, five targets, and David Moore, three for 36 yards, 12 uh, yards per reception. Uh, Chris Carson did have four catches out of the backfield for 35 yards. Drawn Brown gets another uh, game ball, two touchdowns on the game. He had three uh, receptions. He was targeted five times, had 29 total yards, but those two big touchdowns for that offense. And uh, again, unfortunately, uh, we're going to talk about Will Disley and the injuries here here pretty soon uh, for Seattle. Uh, they did also uh, give up uh, on the defense, though. Odell Beckham, like I said, six for 101 yards for Cleveland. Ricky Seals-Jones, three receptions for 47 yards. That's their backup tight end. 
They held Jar- Jarvis Landry for three receptions for only 36 yards on the game. So that's pretty good there. Uh, Ziggy Ansah, well, let's take a look at some of the defensive statistics. Bobby Wagner had seven solo tackles, one tackle for a loss. Uh, Tedrick Thompson gets another, has another big day today. And uh, I believe it, uh, it doesn't say here. Oh, it says down below. So, yeah, TT had one interception. Uh, KJ Wright also did. Uh, KJ Wright also had an interception. And Trey Flowers had an interception. So three interceptions on the day for your Seattle defense. Uh, Tedrick Thompson also had seven total tackles, one pass defense. KJ Wright, six tackles. Trey Flowers, five tackles, and Shaquille Griffin, five tackles. Trey Flowers had one pass defense, and Shaquille had two of them. Um, Take a look at some of the other uh, statistics. There were zero quarterback hits that the defense did not even uh, knock Mayfield uh, Mayfield out of the game or often on his butt. Uh, Mayfield did injure himself in the third quarter, uh, but that's only because he tried to get out of a sack uh, he was running up the middle and literally uh, was about ready to get tackled and twisted something in his hip or his back and wasn't the same after that. So unfortunately, that wasn't due to a, a, any kind of a sack or, or pressure uh, on on him. So another big bagel for the Seattle defense in terms of sacks and uh, quarterback hits. And so that's going to be one of our things if you're a uh, Uh, a GM? Do you figure out how do you get into the backfield? Do you uh, continue to stay with Jadeveon Clowney, uh, uh, with Ziggy Ansah? You know, Clowney himself had three tackles, and that's pretty much it. Ziggy Ansah had two tackles on the game, but nothing else. No tackle for loss, no uh, quarterback hits. Uh, So that's frustrating. And again, I, I, I don't have numbers to show uh, you know what uh, the the hurries were. How many hurries did the defensive line do against uh, this team? And I I not I wouldn't say maybe less than three. I would guess. Seattle's kicking uh, the extra point again was the only big m- mishap there with Jason Myers. Uh, he was two for two on the day for field goals. Uh, Michael Dixon had one a really weird. Uh, shank, uh, which you never, and you know, Michael Dixon and the word shank are, do not go hand in hand. You just never hear anybody talk about that. But he did. He had a shank in the game. Uh, it was a 23-yard punt out of the, his own end zone. Uh, that was uh, right after DK Metcalf dropped what looked like a pretty easy catch for him by, all, by his measures. Uh, that would have brought the ball out about the nine-yard line. Unfortunately, uh, they were literally punting from the back of the end zone, which uh, I think played a big reason why he shanked that ball. Plus, the wind was swirling around pretty well there in Cleveland. Um, And so uh, on the day, Michael Dixon had four punts. He averaged 39 yards per punt, which is not Michael Dixon-like. And so I'm not going to raise a red flag there. If you're Seattle's special teams, I think it's we're going to look more or less at why or how they can stop the uh, the kick returns from going as far as they are, and you know maybe maybe the the uh, the blocking is doing really well for for Cleveland, but uh, overall, I think a really really 
interesting game, I guess is the word. It's kind of a, a soft way of saying it wasn't the most prettiest game on the season, uh, but you get the W. You know, you're five and one. You got the Ravens coming into town next week into Seattle. And so, uh, you know, the Ravens themselves, uh, they, I got to watch a little bit of that game. They barely beat, uh, Cincinnati. They, they won 23 to 17 at home. And so that's, that's very rare that you would see, uh, a, a defeated team in the Bengals going into, uh, Baltimore. And you would think that they would do a lot better. Uh, they're against the, that kind of a, a team that's literally trying to figure out how to get it together. Uh, but let's take a look at real quickly at Cousin Earl. Earl Thomas did get one quarterback hit, uh, two tackles, but no interceptions and no pass defense for the safety who gets to come back to Seattle and uh, show off uh, his new team. Um, you know, they're, uh, Baltimore is now 4-2 and two on the season and so uh, they're going to be coming into Seattle next week. But again, let's get back to this game really quickly. Uh, the injuries, I think, is going to be most likely what we're going to talk about in the next seven days. You're going to hear it all over Seattle media. And, you know, what about Will Disley? You know, Disley, uh, again, was trying to uh, get open in the end zone, uh, a little fade pass to the back of the end zone uh, from Russell. And as he was trying to, you know, search for the ball, it, uh, his knee gave out. And so now it's like, great. And how long is he going to be out? Uh, some people are speculating it could be uh, the end of the season for him. Um, some people are saying maybe he'll be back for uh, the playoffs, but again, uh, he has to do some some tests, and they got to take a look at uh, what that looks like for him. And uh, maybe the medical doctors, uh, you know, maybe we can have a miracle, and Will Disley is back uh, earlier than we think. But until then, you know, we just gotta kind of you know grin and bear it. You have to have next man up. I mean, if you're you know Seattle, uh, you have to be able to say okay. Um, who can step up? You know, you you picked up, uh, you you brought up Jacob Hollister from the practice squad. You're hoping that Ed Dixon can come back by week eight. Um, <clears throat> which again, I I still think that uh, Dixon does come back and can provide that spark that the guy that can run, block, and can catch. Um, and so our fingers are triply crossed for Will Disley and hoping that he can. Um, come back sooner than later. Um, I'm looking at Seahawks Twitter right now, and I'm not seeing any other real major injuries out of this game, uh, which is really, really good if, you know, to, to get Seattle, you know, you know, get them, get them, you know, playing against Baltimore. <clears throat> Isn't going to be an easy task. You know, Lamar Jackson's really good. Um, again, the, 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 the way that they're playing lately, though, has been really confusing. If you're a Ravens fan, which we're not, but you know you really want uh, Seattle to to just you know go out there and, and punch uh, the Ravens in the chin. And again, can we get another game where Seattle can come out firing instead of having to play catch up or having to punt their first few uh, you know possessions uh, to start the first you know part of the game? 
that's something that I think if you're Seattle, you really got to figure that part out. Is that, uh, you know, something that uh, is coached up? Or is it something that uh, maybe the players are just, they're just not, you know, uh, their minds are, and their bodies aren't really into the game at the beginning? What is it? I don't get that. Um, I've never really got that, you know. And I always, I'm always the first to to post out there at halftime. It's not how you start the game; it's how you finish. And I agree with that. But as we get closer, and especially within the the division, when you have to play the 49ers, you have to play the Rams, and others that are in the NFC, you're going to have to play four solid quarters against those teams. You know, we're really noticing that that Seattle's. Uh, you know, having to, to, to do this, this ugliness before they get pretty. <laughs> I mean, again, we're all happy that they won. You know, there's another W on the, on the, on the check mark. And I, I knew that. I knew that going into, I said, man, this is going to be an ugly win, isn't it? And how many of us are tired of ugly wins, you know? And that sounds really, really entitled, doesn't it? That I'm saying that we're tired of ugly winning because of what? At the end of the day, you're winning. Um, and so we shouldn't have to really worry about that too much, but, you know, Seattle, you know, they've got the top five quarterback in the league. Russell Wilson is playing lights out again. Last week we said he, he's a man playing possessed and against the, the, the Rams here, he goes into a hostile territory. He's able to, um, you know, communicate with his team and get his guys going after that uh, that tr- that kind of really terrible first possession for the Browns and them getting into the end zone, you know Russell Wilson doesn't fold up his his chair and says I'm going home. He pats the guys on the back and says Let's get out there and get that back. And sure enough, they did. And you know, time and time again, Seattle was down twenty to six. You know, a lot of teams would fold it up. You're down by two touchdowns. And this team doesn't do that. They just keep getting better and better throughout the game. And I guess as a fan, you just have to grin and bear that. You just have to say that's just the, a, a part of being of this team. That they they're just going to be something that when the the tough gets the, the the tough is happening in front of them, you just got to you know they're just going to figure out a way every time to be able to get over that hump. And to be able to, you know, put together a field goal here, a touchdown there. And all of a sudden, Seattle's ahead, you know, 26 to 20. And you're just going, dang. You know, Cleveland, I, I thought for sure at 20 to 6, I was thinking to myself, oh, man, I hope they get so cocky and overconfident that they sort of give up in the second half. And, you know, call it what you want. Call it second half adjustments. Call it, you know, Somebody like Bobby Wagner, we saw him on the sidelines pretty much yelling at his guys saying, wake up, you know, enough's enough. We don't want to go up another blade of grass to this Browns offense. And for majority of the second half, they were able to do that. They were able to, uh, you know, stop the bleeding. They were able to allow their offense to get back out there and, you know, get some more snaps to, you know, at the very end of the day, get back to their own style of playing. You know, Chris Carson, how many tackles did he break or how many guys did he drag on his shoulders to get two, three, four extra yards on those plays? A lot. He's over 100 yards again. 
after having those fumble problems. He's, I believe, two for two now, two games without a uh, fumble. And, you know, kudos to this this, uh, coaching staff for doing what I thought they should have done, not doing what I thought they should have done, which is benched him. You know, they were like, nope, we're not going to bench him. We're going to stand behind him. We're going to, we're going to, you know, ride his shoulders and, you know, feed him the ball. The best way to, to get over a loss or get over a, a, a thing, uh, any kind of adversity is to get back out there and get on that horse again. And that's exactly what this um, players, these coaches did. They really are player coaches. They're coaches players. They're, they're the ones that are really, really good at motivating their team. And again, as a as a fan, I'm just I'm very thankful for this team that's that that has been assembled. We're five and one. You know, I imagine we were already in the top ten in the power rankings. Now after this win, uh, which was not easy uh, to do, um, there they should still be. Of course, they'll still be in the top ten. I don't know if they're going to move up one or two spots. I think they were eighth this week going into this game, and so. We'll see. Uh, I know the Chiefs lost this week, and so they'll drop. Uh, so Seattle should be probably in the top five after uh, Monday Night Football's game. I think Tuesday morning they'll they'll announce that. <clears throat> I don't really normally look at the power rankings. That's not something that I enjoy looking forward to. But lately, it's been kind of an ego thing for me to be able to see our guys being talked about better. We've been sort of under the radar. I don't know how many pundits uh, had Cleveland winning today. Uh, Vegas only gave Seattle a one-point spread, you know, thinking that was going to be really, really close. And it was four points. So, yeah, it was pretty close. Uh, You know, I've been saying could Seattle's – before the season, I kept saying if Seattle can score 21 points per game, then they'll win the game. And sure as heck, they did that today. Their offense came alive. And like I said, they were in adversity, being down by two touchdowns early in the game, and they were able to come back and win and win big. Uh, this is a big win for Seattle to get five and one, and have you know you got the Ravens next week, and I believe there's a few other games after that that are somewhat challenging. You say to yourself, man, it is possible that in the next five games uh, before their bye or four games, they could actually go five and zero. Oh. Or four and zero, you know, and be eight or seven and one going into their bye week. That is something that's very, very feasible in the, with this team. And again, I had us winning uh, twelve games, or excuse me, eleven games before Clowney got traded to Seattle. And I thought with Clowney that they'd be twelve win team, and they're definitely on track to to win twelve games. Definitely. Um, I mean, that means. They're five and one now. You know, like I said, they can go seven and one at their bye week. That is big. That'll be, you know, that's possible that that 13 wins is possible if you're seven and one. That, you know, we go 13 and three on the on the season, that's unbelievable. That is a that's like championship, like what they did back in in 2014. You know, to uh, 13 and 14, they they were 13 wins. So now you got uh, some guys coming off of injured reserve list. Of course, Disley goes on most likely on the injured reserve list and is out for the season, I imagine. 
But you got uh, Dixon coming back. You got, of course, uh, the big guy in the middle, Jaron Reed. Or no, a defensive tackle comes back next week. He gets his first taste of the season. Do you think he's going to be amped up sitting there watching these guys winning 5-1 and one without him uh, in a contract season? Yeah, he is really amped up. I imagine, you know, and his mom, I got to meet his mom uh, up in Washington State at a Seahawks uh, fan fest, and she is awesome. She seems like a real uh, nice lady, salt-to-the-earth woman. Um, but, of course, she's, she's you know, posting out, like, you know, next week my boy's coming back, and darn right he is. You know, hopefully that suspension that he had and the legal things that are around it go away. And he's able to now concentrate and get, you know, if he can get, you know, five or six sacks on the season, Seattle's going to resign him. Um, now, what if he doesn't? That's another story. But, you know, you look at Ziggy Ansah and you look at uh, Jadavian Clowney. These guys are very, very inconsistent at best. Clowney, I, I don't know how many times Clowney got held. I even saw Collier in there and he got held a few times uh, on the edge. And so I don't know if it's Seattle needs to like call the NFL and show them video or something to try to, you know, get the referees to see this. But it's definitely affecting our pass rush, which I think, you know, if you, if you, th- if you were to tell me in the off season that the pass rush was going to be Seattle's biggest Achilles heel, I would have said, I agree with you because that's exactly what I said. But then you got Ansa and you got Clowney. You're like, oh, no, with Puna Ford. And then you got Reed in there. No, Seattle's going to get, you know, 30, 40 sacks this season, you know, to make up for Frank Clark, who Frank Clark, by the way, is not doing very well in Kansas City. And I wonder, I don't know if pass rushing itself is sort of fading away in this new, you know, offensive schemes that are out there. And I even said this back in April. I was saying, on this podcast, how concerned I was about, you know, even trying to get pass rushers on the, on any team, because, you know, the Rams perfected that last year, the two, two step drop passes and, you know, getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands quicker. Um, I think I saw a statistic from last week, Deshaun Watson had the quickest uh, throws out maybe two weeks ago it was Russell Wilson so offenses are getting better at being able to get the ball out quickly, quickly, and that minimizes uh, any kind of defensive line strength that you might have. You know, if the ball's already in the air, you know, by the time Clowney gets you know into a second step on you know trying to then bull rush the, the offensive lineman or the tight end, you know what what does that do? The ball's already over his head; he can't even get in the backfield. And so, you know, maybe you, instead of getting pass rushers, now you, you really focus on run stuffers. Because if you can take away a team's run game and their schematics around running, you're going to make a team one-sided uh, and, and be able to just, you know, it'd be imbalanced. You know, so you really got to, you know, think about that as a general manager going forward. Does Seattle... You know, after this season, do they even need Clowney and Ansah? I mean, if their run stuffing is good, which I think it is, I haven't looked at those numbers yet, then especially with Reed, you know, know, Reed is really good at both. You know, he proved that last week. Last year, he's really good at sacking. 
getting quarterback pressure, and he's really good at the run blocking or uh, run stuffing as well. Those are the kind of guys Seattle are, is really, really interested in getting for the future. And so, you know, you get you get Reed back next week, and you continue on with this defense. You know, Seattle is a top ten offense in the NFL. Their defense is still very, very suspect uh, at best. And I don't know what does a what does a, a Jaron Reed do to that defensive line? You know, is it you know Quentin Jefferson's been doing really well. You keep hearing his name being called. You know, being able to uh, read what the offenses are doing and break off the guy that he's trying to go up against and maybe, you know, break up a pass. Now, how many times did that happen this season? Today, he was able to get his hands up and, and you know, big old mitt to to block uh, one of Mayfield's uh, passes that was going to go down uh, or over him into Nick Chubb's hands and maybe, you know, break him off 15, 20 yards on that. So Quentin Jefferson's doing really well. So what happens now? Who sits? If you're Seattle, and I think you know L.J. Collier is going to be the number one guy. Brandon Jackson was inactive today. Other inactives, which we you know we haven't even seen Ursua, and a lot of us have been saying, "Man, we missed Doug Baldwin." Well, go get Ursua, get him off the practice squad, get him up on the on the regular you know squad for a game, and see what he can do. You know, he's really really good at finding open spots. But if Jaron Brown. Jerron Brown, who has uh, had two touchdowns today, if he continues to do what he's doing, you're not going to see Ursula this season. David Moore is in there because of his special teams. He did a really good job, of course, today with the block punt. And uh, that was a humongous spark for this team. Really, really good way to get your special teams sort of balanced after that 70-plus yard return that they gave up at the beginning of the game. And so... Yeah, Lockett's going to be Lockett. He's your number one guy. I still don't like the fact that he's re- returning punts and kicks. What other team does that? I don't. I don't remember seeing, you know, any other team that has like you don't see Julio Jones uh, with Atlanta. You don't see him returning kicks at all. And yeah, and he can break it. He's really really fast still. Uh, yeah, Lockett does tip the 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 field to one side if he breaks a tackle here and there and get some blocks. He can really, you know, get the ball back over to the midfield, which is what really turns Pete Carroll on. He loves that that field possession, you know, the the field position and making sure that you're always in plus territory as much as you can. I get that. You got other guys on the team that can that you should be able to trust. Even David Moore has had time back there, you know, returning punts. But you don't put your number one guy out there for him to, to get his head knocked off, you know, concussed. And now you, you have your number one guy sitting on the bench for one or two games because you're trying to get better field position. I, I really That's my, my head scratcher so far for one of them for the season. And then, of course, there's the, the debate between, you know, three linebackers or, or five uh, defensive backs on the field. You know, a lot of people are really on Twitter, like really happy to see less of Michael Kendricks and more of Taylor or Blair or another guy, which was really good to see Blair, by the way, Marquise Blair, the rookie. It was really good to see him out there today. You know, that that kid's got a high ceiling if we just get more reps. 
But he's not going to get more reps starting because of TT and and Flowers and these guys continue to to show up. You're not going to see the rookies. And maybe that's what you want. Maybe that's what you need is to have, you know, the guys that you leaned on last year to to finally step up and do their thing. And so, you know, these are all sort of question marks going forward, but they're not big question marks, guys. We're five and one for crying out loud. And if the Rams can pull off a victory today and beat the the, the 49ers now, you've got a, a tie for first. Um, I think you'll have to take a look at the percentages after that to see who's actually the, the leader in the NFC West. But, of course, the number one goal for the season is to win the NFC West. That's exactly what Pete Carroll preaches every year. You know, we're 1-0 every, every week, but, you know, we got to win the division first then win the conference, and then go win the Super Bowl. So I hope to see some of you next weekend as I fly back up to the beautiful Pacific Northwest and get to go see the Seahawks play the Ravens at home. Um, If I don't see you next weekend, have a great, great week and great weekend, and uh, uh, we'll see what Seattle can do to try to get to 1-0 next week uh, there at the CenturyLink Field. All right, my name is Aaron Thomas, a.k.a. Native Seahawk. I'll see you again next weekend after the Seattle Seahawks play the Baltimore Ravens at home. God bless wherever you're at. Take care and go Hawks.